Well, good to see you this morning. I do want to talk about the goodness of God. It's been a pleasure, actually, fellowshipping with you when I'm here on the Sundays. Um, I love people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shines and it comes out of people as I talk to them. They love the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, we're in good company. (laughs) I love the Lord Jesus Christ too. Um, But I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. Psalm 23 finishes the last line of it with, Surely goodness and mercy will what? All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want goodness to follow me. I want to know the pathway to goodness. And uh, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1 this morning and read a few verses from... um, as we go through, and you'll notice that there's a repetition in Genesis chapter 1 when God creates everything. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 starts off, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. The last verse of the chapter, and I'm only doing this for time, jumping ahead, the last verse of the chapter says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and it was what? Very good. All right. Through that chapter is seven times that phrase is repeated. Three things are repeated seven times. God said is repeated seven times. God saw is repeated seven times. And it was good repeated seven times. God said, God saw, and it was good. The last statement is the result of the first two. And it was good, and it was very good, is the result of what God says and what God sees. I want the goodness of God in me. But it's actually built upon the foundation of two things. God speaking and God seeing. Now what becomes really clear is the guy who's writing this, which is Moses by the Spirit of God, in chapter 3 uses the three phrases again, but it's completely different. He says, And the serpent said to the woman, Has God really said, You will not die? And the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, and pleasing to make one wise. Notice that there's a contrast that the writer wants you to see. Up to this point, everything that God God said, God saw, and it was good, had been the whole foundation of creation. As soon as you come to something different, the serpent said, the woman saw, and suddenly there is a goodness that now is based upon, notice how it changes, and we see it evident everywhere in our own lives and in the world. Our goodness is based upon our appetite. What we want. What we desire. And so the goodness then goes to how I see things. How I perceive things. And you realize that the goodness that we perceive does not result in the goodness that God created with. Because as soon as this goodness comes in, you realize that the whole of creation is built upon another two principles. God's blessing, and what's the opposite of blessing? Cursing. 
I want to show you something pretty amazing that I found has really unlocked the Bible amazingly to me. In that this, the first five chapters of the Bi first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, were never intended to be five books. When Jesus was here, there was only one book. They've been split into five. When you understand that, you realize a book is written with an introduction and a conclusion. And this book of Moses, Jesus referred to, never referred to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. He referred to it just as Moses. Moses. It's the book of Moses. When you start to look at it as a single book, you realize it has an introduction and it has a conclusion. And you go, wow. Once you see it, you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Because I want to show you something. If I was to set the, um, the, the Garden of Eden out in a rectangle, all right, I'm going to put things in there that are stated to be in the Garden of Eden. When God created the Garden of Eden, what did he create it? For whose, for whose fellowship? Man? Man and who? Man and God. This was the place that God would meet and dwell with man. How long? Continually. That was the place. Not only that, he would, they were commanded to keep the garden. Words are very important when a writer uses them. The word for keep is then used at the conclusion of the book that if you will keep the commandments, if you will keep the word of the Lord, if you will keep the word of the Lord, something's going to come upon you. Blessing is going to come upon you. Then you notice at the beginning of the book of Moses, the Garden of Eden starts with God's promise of blessing and God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And notice that cursing doesn't even come into the equation until what? Chapter 3, where it was the disobedience to the voice of God, to the word of God. When the, when the book of Deuteronomy finishes, do you know what is laid out at the conclusion of the book? blessings if you obey the voice of the Lord if you listen closely and heed his voice all of these blessings will come upon you but if you turn away and reject the voice of the Lord all of these curses will come upon you as is written in the book of the law so it concludes this oh what, what another incredible conclusion to the book it starts where God makes a good garden a garden that man doesn't even build a thing in he doesn't plant a thing it's all there for him and God puts him into it do you know what the end of the book finishes with? God promising Israel that he's going to put them into a good land. And what sort of land is he going to put within? A land flowing with what? Milk and honey and what? Houses they didn't. And trees they didn't. Plant and vineyards. And, and he, was, he was putting them into... Now, what is the author trying to get you to see? Keep that in mind. The author has intention with what he's writing in the book of Moses as a complete book. If you can understand that, you go, whoa, hang on. Now, let's, let's put out, which way were man driven out of the Garden of Eden? Eastward. Why include a direction? Watch a little bit later. What was placed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden? Cherubim. And what were they placed there for? To guard the way to the tree of life. All right. Um, all right, here's an interesting one. Cain and Abel came before the Lord. Where was the Lord when Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden? He was still in the garden. So where did they actually come to? If Cain and Abel came to the Lord or before the Lord, where did they come to? 
they came to the entrance to the garden, which was guarded by what? Which were guarded by cherubims. If I take those elements, do you know what I've actually just drawn here? Do you know what they offered outside? What did they make? They made an offering to the Lord. Now, Abel's was accepted. What sort of offering did he make? He made a burnt offering before the Lord. Now, do you know what I've just drawn here? I've just drawn the end of the book where God tells Moses to build a tabernacle. And this was the place where God would meet with man. God would dwell with man. Now, when you at the entrance to the tabernacle, there's a big curtain that goes right across the entrance to walk in. Do you know what's written? Do you know what's written? What's painted right across the curtains, engraved into the curtains? Cherubims of glory. Cherubims of glory. They guarded the way to where? The Holy of Holies, where God would meet with men. Then outside of it was placed something called the altar of burnt offering. Now, why would the author do such detail? Because God is showing you that there was, they were driven out eastward. And do you know what? This, this tabernacle that God told Moses to build had to face a particular way. Eastward, eastward. The whole message is about what once was with God and man, what once was lost, but the mercy and the goodness of God in bringing man back to himself. It is an incredible book. Once you start seeing it as a book with a whole message, you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said in John chapter 6, he said, if you believed Moses, you would believe me. Because he spoke of me. You know, this incredible book that is called the book of Moses is a book all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. Amazing. All right, we're just getting... That's how we're starting. All right. So, I want to read to you just um, this... I want to just start with the goodness, how the emphasis of good is carried through to the conclusion. This is in Joshua. And it talks about basically when the Israelites, if they do not separate themselves from the lands around, but they marry and become entwined with the land, it says, You may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. Whips on your backs and what? Where's the first mention of thorns? In the Garden of Eden with the curse. Thorns in your eyes until you perish from what sort of land? This good land which the Lord of God has given you. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so He will bring on you all the evil things He has threatened. Let me ask you, does goodness come to every single person from God? Don't answer too quickly. Read the scripture. Does goodness come to every single person from God? God is able to make good to come upon somebody and God is able to make the opposite of it. So I want to know the path to live in the goodness of God. I want to live with surely goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life and not presume that God's going to do me good every time. You don't live in pride before God. You live in humility before God. It says, um, so it, he says, 
He's going to bring on you all the evil things he's threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from the good land he has given you. Oh man, I just forgot something. Going back to the Garden of Eden, they were driven out because they didn't obey what? The voice of the Lord. Do you know what God told Israel? If you don't obey my voice, what's he going to do to them in the, out of the land? He's going to do the same thing. He's going to drive you out of the land going to drive you just as adam was taken out you are going to be taken out of this land as well that's just going backwards a bit if you violate the covenant of the lord your god which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them the lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you i want the good land i don't want to perish from the good land so did i just click something there yeah all right so in deuteronomy chapter 30 i love this deuteronomy chapter 30 because it's the promise of the, God looks down to the end of Israel's history. We're looking now, not at the beginning. He's looking way down to the end of Israel's history. and says, when you've been scattered through all the nations, which they already have, when you've disobeyed the voice of the Lord, God knew it before it happened. He says, but when you return to the Lord your God, when all these things come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and do what? Once again, God said, God saw, and what ha what's the result? And it was good. So first of all, it comes to what God says. It says, when you return and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 9 then goes on to say, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work. Of the Lord your God will what? Make. The Lord your God will make who's behind the ability to do good god what about your life who's behind the ability to do good in you god is it's not it's not you who can do the good but it is god who does the good but it is based upon a solid foundation. Creation was made on it. So it says, The Lord will God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord your God will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Now, God alone has the answer to our goodness. Are you good? <laughs> You and I, the Bible says, and you know your Bibles, there is none good. Good. Not one. So there's only one answer to the thing that lies within me. Now, I'll just, just show you once again. You see how goodness works. God said at the beginning, God saw and it was good. As soon as the serpent said, the woman saw that the fruit was good, then after that, as you start journeying through the book of Genesis... You realize then, God keeps on referring, God saw. God looked down from heaven at the flood and what did he see? The earth was corrupt before him. God sees. What is he seeing? He is seeing and testifying to the result of what took place in that Garden of Eden. When the serpent said, the woman saw that it was good for food and she took it. He's testifying that the result of this is corruption. I will destroy. Then he comes to Babel. The Lord looked down from heaven at Babel and what did he? The Lord saw. 
what they had decided we're going to build a name for ourselves we're going to build a city for ourselves we're going to make our name great God saw and he scatters next time God sees is Sodom and Gomorrah the Lord looked down and saw the wickedness of Sodom that's not the end of God seeing it's at the last one mentioned is Mount Sinai when Moses was up the mountain with God and God looked down and he says I Israel's heart is corrupt. Now, as you go through, there's a constant, you realize he's emphasizing the same thing in all four of them. The corruption of heart. And the nation of Israel had the same corruption that was in Sodom and Gomorrah, that was in the Tower of Babel, that was in the flood, in Noah's flood. The problem lies in the heart. And you and I have the same problem. It's in the heart that goodness needs to be made. Can't make it of our own. Goodness needs to be made from God. And he's the only answer to that goodness. And he alone can cure the heart and produce good fruit. Oh man, I want a cured heart. I'll give them a new heart. Whose heart? The Lord Jesus' heart. I want the Lord Jesus' heart. Oh God, now this is another thing that really stood out to me. God has at the core of his being... A shepherding heart to do what? To do us good. Now, I love this because it gives me so much confidence with God. To know that the Lord and the God I serve, that all those scriptures I read, is that God's desire and God's overwhelming heart's desire is to do you what? Good. Not evil. That's his desire. You know, I see people put the plaques. I love this scripture now. I loved it otherwise, but sometimes scriptures take on real meaning because of things happening. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And it's plans to do you good. (laughs) I want God to do good in my heart especially. Good in my heart. Um, And notice this in the New Testament. He's referred to as the good, what? The good shepherd. We'll come to that in a moment. All right, God, what are we up to? God said, all right, God said, when it says at the beginning and God said, what does it imply? It implies that the basis of creation is on the authority of the creator. He is the supreme truth, the supreme source of good, and it's upon his word that creation lives. Do you know at the end of the book of Moses, Deuteronomy? It concludes that God did all these things to Israel in the wilderness. God caused them. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, I caused you to hunger. I caused you to thirst. Why? So that you might learn something. Man does not live on what? Bread alone. But on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. Jesus used that to the devil when he was being tempted. What is he stating? The very groundwork of creation upon which true solid rock of what God, when God builds something, it results in good. When God works, he works for the good of those who love him. We're coming to that scripture as we go along. But you realize that when God works and he built creation, the end product was always good. In fact, it was very good. But it starts with, and God said... So it's when it comes to our life, 
you realize if you want the goodness of God and mercy and goodness of God to follow you all the days of your life, it is based upon a something. It is when God says. That then means, listen, this is what Israel, God was trying to tell Israel. Listen, if you will listen closely to my voice, if you will heed what I say, I will cause things to, to come. I'm the one who's in control of it, God is saying. Oh man, if I know that, I want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because here's, I don't want to listen to the voices of the world. They'll try and tell you, ah, this is good for you. This will make it good for you. This is the path to life. The serpent said. It results in ruin. People don't realize they're standing, building a Upon ruin, it's about to all crumble, depending on what they build on. When it repeats, God saw, it implies that he has everything. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. He has all understanding. And we're meant to trust. We're meant to rest. We're meant to believe and to have complete faith in what he sees. Do you see tomorrow? Do you have clear vision? So do you, are you the one in charge of your life? So when we, when, we, when we do what Eve did, she saw, she's making choices for herself. When we make choices for ourselves that are not based upon what God says, we are building ruin and pain coming up down the track. We're building it. But when we build upon God sees, God sees. If we actually, you realize then, listen closely everyone, all of creation from the very beginning was supposed to be built upon faith. Faith is actually the very, very foundation upon creation. God said, God saw, what's my response? To believe him even when I don't understand it. To trust him. Why? Because I know he sees what's best. Therefore, I'm going to trust in him. Psalm 107. Oh, what a psalm this is. Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's what? Watch how this psalm links God's goodness to something. God's goodness is not linked to perfection. God's goodness is linked to mercy. Hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord for his good for what? His mercy endures. Let, let, forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what did the Lord do? He delivered them out of their distresses. And what did he do? He led them by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? What's God's goodness do? What's God's goodness do? It leads you somewhere. It leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. You know what repentance leads you to? Blessing. It, it's, 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 it's incredible that God, and, and then notice this. Uh, we'll keep, hang on, where did I finish? Um, 
Oh, the man would give thanks for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Then it goes on and it says, Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God. All right? So these guys are living under what sort of circumstance? If we're talking about blessing and cursing, which, what are these guys living under? They're living in a situation of cursing. And it says, Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Then they, what did they do? They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And what did he do? What sort of goodness is God? God is a God. You, you know, you see that Garden of Eden. I look at redemption. I look at atonement. I see everything here. The goodness of God brings me back to God. To re- reconciliation with God. This is what is in the very heart of God. He's overflowing with it. Oh, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he broke their chains in pieces. Listen. Where do you stand today in the regard to chain, chains in your life? You know, I've been there. Many people have been there where sin chains them, has them absolutely chained up. We have today, right across our social media s- spectrum, chains. Chains. From chains with pornography to chains with image. People their whole image and the, what they, other people see them all taken up on social media. Things that just bind the soul with shackles. Made of brass, as it were. Just unbreakable. Who breaks those things? A God of goodness. A God who's full of mercy. And we stand, and I, like, I just encourage this morning, there's a path And it's a wonderful path where God is a God who is calling you into a place of goodness. Where He is abundant in goodness. But it requires what? The goodness of God leads you somewhere. To repentance. To heeding His voice. To following His voice. And it says, All that men would give thanks to the Lord, for he has broken the gates of bronze, cut the bars in iron into fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities. And it goes on. I don't, for time, I just want to emphasize this because I want to get to my real punchline. But that is this. It goes through about five different things. It goes through things like this where people, through their f- own foolish decision-making, anyone been there? Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. How good is God? Where does God's goodness reside? His mercy. That even when through foolish actions of my own, even through decisions I've made, when I come to God to listen to what? His voice. When I come to, I come back, and do you know what? This God is what? Good. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. His wonderful works. He just doesn't go, oh, that's good. It's the works that their God then performs in you. He just doesn't pat you on the back. Good, good to have you back. He works. What did he do at creation? He worked. And what was the end result? It was good. All right, all right. 
right. Um, I'm going to jump this one, but if you ever want to see something, if there's an invitation to taste and see the Lord is good, who of you wants to live, have a good life? Who, who of you wants to live good? There's your, there, that passage just goes through it, all right? Psalm 34, if you want to have a look at it at home, it just is wonderful. But for time, I want to get to this. I am what? Jesus said, the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? He gives his life for the sheep. Now, now, now. In, the, in this, is, 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 there's packaged up enor- infinity, really, that God's desire and love to bring man back. Remember where the starting point always is. God finished everything and he said it was very what? And what happened to it all? It went down into a curse upon the earth. But the good shepherd does what for his sheep? Oh man, he's gone out to what? Bring them back in. Now what sort of sheep does he have? What sort of sheep? The sheep that he does, there's a, there's a characteristic to this sheep. My sheep do what? Hear my voice. We're back to the beginning, isn't it? God said, God saw, and what's the result? It was good. I am just wanting to invite you this morning. There's a path to the goodness of God. And it's not the way the world is. It's instant gratification for your appetite. What you want now, what you think is going to satisfy you, what you think is going to make your life go well, it's a lie. And it ends up in ruin. There is a path, though, to the goodness of God, where God works. Where God, where the shepherd works for the sheep. You have a shepherd who has all power, all dominion, and he has the heart desiring to gather his sheep and to bless them. If that's the case, if that's the case, then what are the two things the sheep need to do? They hear his voice, obey it. Obedience. You realize God said and God saw is the whole basis upon which all of creation was made. Jesus, finish with this. Jesus told a par- story of um, when he finished with his law. When he finished with the um, Beatitudes, he finishes his law in chapter 7 of Matthew and he says, A man, the man who hears my words and does not do them. And this is not a man who doesn't hear God's word. This is a man who hears them but doesn't what? Do them. What sort of man is he? He's a foolish one who built his... Oh, let's just really emphasize something. Every single one of you are building something under your feet today. You're not neutral. You're not standing idle. You are building something. It will either be harmful for you and result in ruin, as in it will be harmful for you, or it will result in God working something in you. 
Whoever hears and doesn't do it is a foolish man who built his house on sand. You know that story? Wind came, rain, thunder, boom. The fall of that house was great. Crash. But the man who hears my words and builds his house and does it, he builds his house on a rock. Ah, I love, and I know many of you will love this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For God, well, there's a huge different translation, it doesn't matter, it gives the same sort of implication. It says, then all things work together for good. Now I like it this way because I see God as the one at work. See, in creation God was the one who worked and the end result was God. In all things, God what? Works. God works. <laughs> Lord, I want you to work in me for what? For good. To those who what? Who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Oh, Lord. Lord Jesus, we stand before you. We hear your words, Lord. And Lord, if there are those here standing here, standing and looking at their life, looking at the direction they're pointing, Lord, Lord, I pray the invitation is so beautiful, it's so simple, it's so glorious to turn towards you, to turn and call on your name, to listen to your voice and obey it. For Lord, you are the one who works. You're the one who works for our good. Thank you, Lord. I pray you would turn their hearts, turn all of our hearts in humility to bow underneath your word, to listen to what you say and to follow it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.